The Near Futurist, a podcast with Guy Clapperton. Hello, and thanks for downloading The Near Futurist, a show presented by me, Guy Clapperton. Today, my guest is going to talk about leadership, how it's changing, and in the face of an evolving workforce, whether it's changing enough. But first, a bit about who you're listening to. I'm Guy Clapperton, a technology journalist and media trainer with 30 years experience. You might have heard me or seen me on the BBC occasionally, perhaps read some of my books, or seen me in The Guardian, Intelligent Sourcing Magazine, and elsewhere. I go to a lot of conferences and hear experts talking about their forecasts about the decades to come. I'd rather use my 30 years experience as a commentator to discuss what's likely to happen later this year, early next, and the action we need to take now. So I came up with the Near Futurist name. Do have a look at my website at nearfuturist.co.uk where you'll find more episodes and information on what we're about. If you'd like to book me as a speaker or MC for your technology event, do have a look at the showreel on the site and drop me a line, guy at nearfuturist.co.uk. That's nearfuturist as one word. Or get in touch with my agent, whose details are, of course, also on the site. And if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please do consider leaving a review on the iTunes store or wherever you download from. And if you've already done so, thank you. And if you're new to the show, of course, a warm welcome. Well, that's loads about me, so let's get to my guest for the show. That's why you're listening after all. She's involved in management consultancy and has seen things change a great deal. Organizations have been evolving massively in recent years. Actually, they always have been. I mean, I've been in the employment market for over 30 years, and I've been on first name terms with all my bosses and clients. My dad wasn't, but the pace of change has really picked up. Megatrends like an aging population, advancing artificial intelligence and hyperconnection via social media fundamentally alter the context of leadership. Whether it's altering the leaders themselves, uh, we'll find out. My guest is part of a fast-growing business that addresses these issues. She's Alison Maitland, Head of Product at Lane 4. Alison, welcome. Thanks. Nice to be on the, on the programme, Guy. You're more than welcome. First of all, perhaps you could tell us a bit uh, more about Lane 4. My uh, intro is quite vague there. Lane 4 is a management consultancy. We work globally with organisations. Really what we're about is helping people to fulfil their potential, but also putting that in the context of building sustainable, successful businesses that both deliver their goals, but also have an impact on society. And we have a couple of areas we specialise in. So we're very much into leadership, team and talent development. We also work in the area of management skills training and also helping organisations and people in them to change and transform. Right. Heritage, we're coming up actually... Okay. Sorry, please carry on. Sorry, I interrupted. We have a bit of an interesting background, which is how we end up being called Lane 4, which sometimes gives people are quite surprised to hear. We're actually founded by Olympic gold medalist swimmer Adrian Morehouse. And our name actually comes from the lane that Adrian won his medal in, because that's the lane that traditionally is set aside for the fastest heat winner. So that gives them that small but potentially crucial advantage. And that's the underpinning of Lane 4. That was worth waiting for. Thank you very much for adding it. That sounds great. In terms of change, I'm a man in my 50s. I've been in the workforce several decades, as we've established. The changes I've seen probably go back too far to be useful. I mean, you don't, people don't really want to know about the pre-computer days. They're not relevant anymore. But what sort of changes have cropped up in the last, say, 10 years, let's say, in the social media era? What's actually changed about workplace and the context in which your clients work? I love your intro because you're talking very much about things and your podcast is very much about things that are about what's happening now that we need to equip ourselves for the future. So one of the things we've noticed is is something around company life expectancy. 
where we find that leaders are finding it harder and harder to deliver that sustainable performance. So we've seen the number of FTSE companies disappearing, increasing at almost like an exponential rate. So one of the things we've done is then gone, okay, what are some of those mega trends and things that are changing right here, right now? And I think you've mentioned a couple of them in the intro. So some of the things we've noticed are the increasing scarcity of natural resources, the political volatility that's going on. As you said, some of that, the hyperconnection via social media. And they're, they're things that are they're absolutely right here, but they're also blind spots for leaders. And so one of the things that we've done quite recently is we had a, a C-suite survey. of We went out and asked 159 C-suite leaders what were they noticing in the context of leadership at the moment. And what we noticed that they noticed some of these mega trends, but they noticed them in clusters. So, for example, they might notice something around social media and hyperconnectivity, but they might be quite blind to changes in the economy or political volatility. So it's really quite interesting that, that leaders are noting some shifts in their context, but not all of them. I suppose uh, this will probably be one of your next questions in the survey, but noticing things are changing is one thing, but uh, actually doing something about it is different. I mean, what, what has uh, social media changed about the environment in which people work, do you think? What we've noticed in the marketplace and other people talking about, people have understood some of the things that they need to do differently. They, they know that they might need to act differently. So there's lots of talk around different skills that leaders might might need. And that was, you're right, that was one of the questions we asked in our, our survey. What are some of the key skills that you think you might need to to have? What do you need to do differently to be successful now to have a business that's sustained in the future? And leaders have come back with things like we need to be equipped with strategic thinking, we need to have critical thinking skills, we need to have real data literacy to be able to work in this this era of of data and and so on. I take the data literacy point, but surely critical thinking and strategic thinking, uh, if you weren't doing that already, I mean, you could have been doing that in the 1930s if you were uh, running a business, you still need to be adapting critically thinking and strategic thinking about what's going on around you. You do, absolutely. But I think they're just shifting in their order in terms of what's important so that right. that's one of the differences but that we already know and the thing that is different is the fact that we need to think differently you say think differently that interests me what, what exactly do you mean by that so that's about having a different mindset in terms of how you approach a business and you're right if we leave unchallenged our our, our mindsets they can become outdated and they'll mm-hmm. hold us back so it's about having a mindset that's fit for today's world not the world 10 years or 20 years or 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 whenever ago so it's vital that we actually tune in to having the right set and the best set of mindsets for the time that we're in now and that takes us back to those it's almost like a little virtuous circle of the global megatrends that's shifted the context of leadership in terms of what needs what we need to do and how we need to act and it's having the right mindset to become appropriate in that that context okay so what we've done can I just pause you there just a second? Because I'm yes. interested in this. Without wishing to sound as if I'm moaning or something, or to, you're sounding like a generational spokesperson, which I'm certainly not. How do you start to spot the fact, if things are going reasonably well, how do you start to spot, what are the, what are the initial signs that you are falling into a, this worked 10 years ago, it'll therefore work now sort of mindset? Okay, that's an interesting, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, why typically do people come to you? What what problem do they present with you? You don't uh, go to a consultant just in the uh, course of uh, a daily business. You must have something to prompt you. Yes, I mean, I think I probably turn it around the other way around, and 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 I think 
so if we go back to some of the data we've had, what people have, they've noticed some of the megatrends. So they've noticed that they need to do something. And it's only when we've come back to them and said, from our research and from our data, what we're noticing is what you've, you've got at the moment is a mindset that, that enables you to think in, in a very black and white way. When you think in a black and white way, how does that enable you to deal with the very the complex problems that you're faced with at the moment? And it's only by holding a mirror up to them and saying, actually, there are two sides to this coin. And it's what we've termed having a paradoxical mindset as opposed to just a, a straightforward mindset. But suddenly people are going, ah, the penny drops. So, so they're not coming to us saying, we've got a problem here. We're saying to them, actually, you've got a problem because to the context has changed now and you're not adapting to the context and the context requires you to hold let's take one of our mindsets um let's take the one that's ruthlessly caring you maybe historically we might have said actually profit was was king and we have to drive profit at all costs and we do have to have high performance and we do have to have decisions in today's environment because we have scarce resources, we're challenged from, from the, just the requirements that, that younger people have coming into the work, workplace. You have to hold in, in tension with being ruthless and driving for performance, also the notion of being caring. So to recognize that you have to drive high performance and understand that that has a human impact and actually success doesn't always have to come at the cost of people. So it's been able to hold those two things in tension. And that's the shift that, that we're seeing that leaders now need to make. So here, are you talking about uh, well-being, other workforce being a, an element of a company's performance, even if it doesn't appear on any current version of the bottom line? Are you talking about corporate social responsibility? Where, where, where is this coming from exactly? It's not coming from any of those things. It's coming back to to survive within those in the 14 global megatrends. What are the types of mindsets that we need to have that need to flex constantly and to hold all of these parts in tension? So maybe if I if I actually share with you some of these paradoxical mindsets. Sure, I understand you have a series of five, and you've just been through the first one. Uh, Perhaps you could uh, run through all five. That'd be great. So the five that we've we've come up with. The first one is called um, responsibly daring and that's where leaders are able to balance the notion of pursuing their beliefs and then their purpose while understanding that that everything is worth trying and that anything is possible so they're audacious to look for an opportunity a challenge for innovation to make a difference but they can also see the, the other side of the coin on all of that so they recognize that sometimes there are some risks they need to consider and so on so it's it's holding that kind of business tension between yes. pursuing opportunity and innovation and by balancing risk basically mm-hmm. ruthlessly caring we, we've had a chat chat about so that's oh. balancing that notion of caring against that notion of being of understanding the impact you have on people the third one we've had a look at, and these all came out in some research that, that we've done, was about being ambitiously appreciative. So that's trying to understand that there's a need for relentless determination and following things through whilst also understanding the need to be sustainable. Um, yep. Again, those are two things that are intention. So it's about, you know, understand that you have a goal or ambition to get to, but also understanding what it takes to get to that. And that needs to be sustainable in the long term. Fourthly, 
one that I think is my favourite, which is politically virtuous, only because it feels quite relevant, <laughs> you know, having had a, the new Prime Minister being announced quite recently. <laughs> yes. And that's where... I should just make it clear might to, need to This isn't a live show, just to uh, make it... Uh, just to put it fully in context, the day we're recording, I don't think Theresa May is Prime Minister anymore, but I, it's that hour of the day. I'm not sure if Boris Johnson is yet. <laughs> okay, so it's... Uh, um, we're, um, that's exactly... That's where we are. So just to put that in context, yes. Yeah. Sorry. Forgive me interrupting again. No, not at all. So, and that's about balancing that importance of following an ethical stance on something, but also understanding to get things done, there isn't always a right way to do it. So balancing the, the, the stance of sort of the, the moral way of doing things with a very pragmatic way of moving things forward. So you're not just trapped by circumstance. And then the last one, which I certainly in our, our business, our chief executive, Adrian Morehouse, can, can, he tells a really great story about He's, this is the last one is confidently humble and he's someone who grew up in in Yorkshire and he'd probably use the, the phrase of of being told you know don't get too big for your own boots and yet he's an Olympic champion and he had to learn to balance that um, the need to be humble but not go down the track of, of sort of self-deprecation and, and being um, you know doing yourself down because he actually has to have the vision to be a leader but also balancing that with a belief in himself without taking that too far and making that into arrogance so that he can lead the organisation successfully. So again, it's a paradox between how you manage the, those two tensions. I suppose on that point, uh, if you're an Olympic athlete of any description, uh, but, you know, in an, uh, Mr Morehouse's case, a swimmer, of course, you're not going to take any medal or nothing's going to come to you unless you have worked like stink for it. That's a technical term, by the way. You have to be absolutely certain you've earned it. You don't just luck into a, um, uh, a, a medal unless uh, someone else trips up at the start starting gun or something I know they don't have a starting gun in swimming it's not uh, but you know unless there's very few people fluke into those things you really you really have to appreciate the need and the value of actually earning something yes and and we do quite a lot of work with with athletes and you know we often balance with them exactly that the need to know that hard work is and that fits into the humble part of this is absolutely part of you delivering successful performance but on the other side you do have to believe in yourself mm. and without those two things which are intentional all the time you will not be successful that makes sense. I think we can learn an awful lot from uh, sports people and also from uh, the showbiz world as well. I remember seeing an actor interviewed once and he said, look, frankly, you just got to be able to look in the mirror uh, every day and think I'm good. Because if you don't, no one else is going to say it for you. And I thought that made an awful lot of uh, awful lot of sense. I mean, you've got these set of five paradoxes. I've seen an awful lot of this, you know, these sort of phrases and that sort of thing, the, the, the neat mnemonics and things uh, come and go. And I mean, a lot of these things do seem to go into almost fads. I've been told uh, recently that open plan offices were a mistake and should never have happened, uh, according to one piece of research. How do you sort out the good advice from the bad? Just, you know, taking it away from your own, uh, your own paradox uh, model, uh, but just, you know, as a consultant in general, what, uh, you know, if someone's thinking, I've just had this piece of advice, how do I know I'm being waffled at? What would your answer be? Actually, it's one of the reasons why I work for Lane 4, um, because all of our, the work that we do is based on evidence. So I'd say, go and find the evidence for this. What, what sits underneath it? So when we set out on this project to answer the question, what do future fit leaders need to think and do? We went back firstly to what's already been done out there in research. What, what exists, what doesn't exist? You know, what's, what's found and what isn't? So we reviewed somewhere around 200 academic papers and reports to just even help us to scope what, what might be an answer to this question. And then we went out and did our own primary research. So firstly, we did a C-suite survey, 159 leaders of 
businesses from about 10 million to up to over you know half a billion pounds and and beyond to give us some data and then when we had a good working hypothesis on the back of that then went out and did some detailed qualitative interviews with 17 disruptive innovative award-winning leaders from around the globe to actually then flesh out some of the detail and that's how we came out with the mindset and then not just take that on its own we would check we do a little reality check with our, our clients, you know, from a validity point of view. Does this make sense? Does this resonate in, in your world? Does it, is this something you're grappling with? But also we'd probably do a piece of action research as well on the back of that. So I would say to people listening here, go and look for all of those bits. Do they sit underneath what something is telling you? If you do, there's no certainty in business research or psychology research, but gives you a good enough sort of base for you then to say, okay, this is something we can move forwards with and pay attention to. Right. And how often do you revisit these, uh, or not just the, your principles specifically, but all of your principles? Because by the same token of wanting people to be fit for the future, the future will be uh, the past in a few years' time. Uh, if I could phrase that any more com- uh, clumsily, I would do. Is it it's an ever sort of, it's a cycle always that, that we, we go around. So this piece of results on some quite fundamental research we did about three or four years ago around how people transition in their business. So We'll go through around a, a big cycle of that, but every year we're always looking to see how has the context change? Is what we're doing relevant to what people need? And again, that, that's going back to the people and the organisations who we touch to go, what's going on for you? What are the problems you're seeing? How is your business doing? What's going on for people? And, and feeding that back. So it's a, like a virtuous circle always of what's going on, what's new, what are people saying, what can we, how can we make sense of this? And, and our job in Lane 4 is to take something that's quite complex and lots of data and make it into something then, five mindsets. But you can get your head around that. You know, make it into something you can access and use. That does make uh, a lot of sense. I've seen a lot of sort of management thinking uh, coming and going. This one does sound pretty good. Um, I'm just wondering if uh, in your experience, uh, obviously before you worked for Lane 4, whether you come across any sort of howlers, any uh, so-called good ideas that turned out to be actually bad for the workplace? Most of my experience, I have to say with with you know and I've been a long time probably as long as you in, in working in business and, and and in psychology what I've seen more is that actually we learn from the previous work so for example I go right back to trace based trait based theories of leadership and mm-hmm. I think okay that was about the impact made by leaders alone and we used to think it was about their personal characteristics and went okay that's part of the story what can we add to it so then we went to situational leadership and went, okay great there's some some need for the leader to adapt to the context about the the skills and the maturity of the people. Maybe we need to be a bit more like a chameleon to adapt to it. Let's add that to trait-based. Then we went, oh, no, transformational leadership. We also need to transform the context we're in, our organisation, our situation, not just react to it. So then we started to add things around our goals and our vision. And then we went, ah, okay, but maybe there's something we're not quite so focused. That's all focused on the organisation. What about the people? So we went to servant leadership and we went... That's great but let's focus on the needs of the many not just the few and I think where we're at at the moment and certainly our work in the leadership space is building on the more of the notion of steward leadership so that's mm-hmm. about where you're entrusted you know to you're entrusted with a set of resources into your care and you're stewarding those resources both organization and, and people-based for the next generation and to move it on and certainly our mindset research is, is put into that context as well so I think that 
that's how I would see m most of the leadership stuff. We, we learn from, we go, yeah, that, that's okay, but not quite right. How can we add to it and add to it and add to it? Yes, I must admit, my, I, I support you in an awful lot of that. I think uh, when I hear people talking about their management theories, whether it's uh, um, situational or whether it's uh, trade-based or, or whatever, I start uh, thinking, you know, immediately you start to say, I finally nailed down leadership. My alarm bells start going. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just think. No, I, I think I could be in a job forever in this space. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, what's the pickup from your clients been like? And uh, do you have any examples of clients who've changed their behaviours as a result of uh, your input? Okay. Well, you're actually, you've caught us right at the beginning of the starting to share okay. this piece of research. So we've, at the moment, we have, we've talked to a number of, of organisations and people and some of our, our, um, our, our clients. And we, we've had that light bulb moment of people going, oh, yes, this makes sense and so we've started to have some conversations with them but we're, we are right at the beginning of that and the same you know within our own business we're, we're just saying actually hey lane four this is based on our research we also need to shine the mirror back on ourselves and think about how do we we deliver that do we have the five paradoxical mindsets are we able to flex with with some of those yep. um, and, and i think about you know for myself and i think of myself as a leader within within lane four one of the things we, we work with is, is um, um, I don't know if the, the listeners have come across it, it, it's an approach called acceptance and commitment therapy. It's, it's a way of helping us to have psychological flexibility. So one of the things we're teaching our, our leaders within Lane 4 to do is have that psychological flexibility to sit with these paradoxes, because mm -hmm. we recognise a paradox is a really difficult thing to work with. It makes you uncomfortable. How can you be both ruthless and caring? How can you both be responsible and daring? The nature of a paradox is it's both true and false at the same you know it, they, they clash together each part of a paradox means that it's conflicting and opposing so actually as a leader that's uncomfortable so we're trying to teach people in our own business to learn the skills of being able to unhook from the uncomfortableness the voice in your head that says "Woo, this is uncomfortable i don't I, how can i do both of these to help them be mindful a very relevant skill at the moment and then how to use their goals and their values to work in the direction of then being able to be ambitiously appreciative or politically virtuous or, or whatever. Okay, uh, that's that sounds great. We are starting to run slightly short of time, so perhaps I could finally ask you where listeners can find out more about uh, you and yourself and, of course, Lane 4. So we do have a website. It's Lane 4 with the number, lane4performance.com. Certainly the white paper is on there. It's called The Five Leadership Mindsets. And they can certainly, if you want to find more about those mindsets, or if you want to follow us on Twitter, which is at Lane 4 Group, or search for Lane 4 on LinkedIn. Alison Maitland of Lane 4, thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure. And many thanks to you for listening. That was the Near Futures podcast with me, Guy Clapperton. I'll be back in two weeks' time as always. Don't forget to have a look at the website at nearfutures.co.uk. See you in a fortnight. Thank you.